Hi, this is Jerome with episode 23 of More Life. In this episode, Jills Hutchins and I talk about overcoming disconnection to life and the importance of purposefulness. Jills is a pioneering practitioner and senior advisor at the forefront of the revolution or evolution in organizational and leadership consciousness and development approaches that enhance personal, organizational and systemic agility and vitality. He is the author and co-author of several leadership and organizational development papers and the books The Nature of Business, Delusion of Separation, Future Fit, Regenerative Leadership and Leading by Nature. Chair of the Future Fit Leadership Academy and founder of Leadership Immersions, co-founder of Biomimicry for Creative Innovation and Regenerators, he runs a 60-acre leadership center at Springwood Farms an area of outstanding natural beauty near London, UK. Previously held corporate roles, Head of Transformation Practice for KPMG, Global Director and Head of Sustainability for Atos, with 150,000 employees and over 40 countries, he has a lot of experience. He provides coaching at individual and organizational levels for those seeking to transform their personal and or work lives. Jills is a keynote speaker in, on the future of business and regenerative leadership. He is also a certified advanced coach and trained and experienced in advanced integral solonics, leadership development, spiral dynamics, action logics, and other modalities in advanced adult development models. I invited Jills to the podcast because his book, The Illusion of Separation, changed the way I view the crises in the world. And, quite honestly, together with Daniel Vaz Designing Regenerative Cultures, how I view life on Earth and what we need to evolve. At More Life, we explore questions such as how can we feel more alive and how can we create more aliveness around us from a variety of perspectives. If that's something for you, join all the others and subscribe. All right, Jills, I'm so happy to have you here, have you on the show and looking forward to our conversation that I would like to start um, just saying that I invited you because I read uh, The Illusion of Separation. I also read Regenerative Leadership, but the, the other one really made a big change in the way I think. And I think it would be great to explore a little bit what do you describe in that book and the the core message behind? What really struck me was that many people say, oh, you know, there is this cause for that, or there are these causes for all the different problems that we have in life. And you actually say, there's one cause for all the problems we have. Can you maybe elaborate on that? Yes, it's lovely to be here with you. Um, really a, a root problem for all of the challenges that we face today is that we have become disconnected from ourselves, from each other, from, from life. And that disconnected way of engaging with life is causing all sorts of problems. And so the downstream effects that we often busy ourselves with, whether it be climate change or child slavery or plastic in the ocean or, or work-life balance, whatever, mental health issues, really are downstream effects of that deeper underlying cause. And if we leave the underlying cause unattended, then a lot of the energy that we spend on the downstream effects just keeps on getting spent and we don't, we don't necessarily move forward. So it's great to be able to 
you know, obviously we do need to focus on these downstream effects, most certainly, but we also need to attend to the underlying problem, which is the way in which we engage with life has become corrupted. And so we need to uh, unlearn our way of attending and uh, remember uh, what is actually in us. And it has been for the last vast proportion of our human history. Uh, so it, it does mean being being more balanced, I suppose. Uh, so uh, I teach uh, perception psychology. And one of the things that I mentioned is we rely very heavily on our sight, but we have all these, uh, these other senses that we have for a reason and that we ideally would tune into more. And I, I remember you talking on, a, on another podcast about also this left and right hemisphere uh, change that we've gone gone through where now you know it's only real if it can be logically explained but that is only one part of our brain talking basically and we want to have we want to use our full capacity right to make the best decisions we can make yeah and, and not just to make the best decisions we can make because of course you know that appeals to the achiever within us um, but actually just to have a full experience of life um you know this is what we we deserve is part of our birthright and in having that fuller experience of life we then have more full uh, relationships with others with our own selves and that enables us to listen more to tune in more to be more empathic to be more human which allows us to then become more aware of these challenges i mean we don't want to purposely pollute the planet or disrupt the workforce or enslave people and yet what happens is we get caught up in a way of thinking a way of attending a way of behaving which sort of just takes us out of our normal way of being so finding practices and of course all of the ancient wisdom traditions all of the spiritual practices throughout the world all of the religions all of the shamanic communities, all of these have practices. So it's not like we haven't got enough to draw from. There's plenty of practices. And I apply those practices to leadership today through what I call regenerative leadership, finding practices that just help with that coherence, that body-mind coherence, that help us open up to a deeper repertoire of who we are uh, so that we can flow more, so that we can find our truer sense of self and then connect with others more and be of service to our lives, you know, because essentially we are here to help life create the conditions for life. And that's part of your slogan. Um, and, and working and attuning with life is a process of becoming more of who we truly are. Yeah. And I, I suppose it makes sense to be aware of and um, consider, uh, incorporate the different principles of logic of life into that, into that understanding, into that re-attuning or attuning to, yeah, I, I, the, the words that come to my mind are very much in the doing. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm, I'm struggling to find the right word here. Uh, maybe just to yeah to be to be more. Maybe it's just that. 
Well, I call it a process. Um, my latest book, Leading by Nature, the, the strap line is the process of becoming a regenerative leader. And what I found, having sort of contemplated and explored this for uh, many, many years now, is that as well as it being being and as well as it being doing, we need both, it's actually a process of becoming all the time in life. Life is showing us it's a rich learning experience. We are learning to become more of who we truly are through tensions, through challenges, through relationality, through listening more deeply to ourselves, to others, through a revealing of who we are. Um, and what we've got to recognize is today we are caught up in a worldview, if you like, or a level of consciousness that is singly at odds with life. And so we're seeing another worldview breaking through. And uh, that worldview is actually very similar in, in its route to an ancient worldview that's been around and is still pervading indigenous cultures um, of animism, essentially, that everything is life. There's this deep sense of kinship in life and that we can learn to trust in life and flow with life and that life is infused with, with spirit, with wisdom. And as we open up our minds, our hearts and our wills, we can learn to tune in and work with that. And what I've done in regenerative leadership, uh, in the work, in Leading by Nature and The Illusion of Separation, those books and, and others, is to explore ways in which we can learn from life, from nature, and then apply that to the way in which we lead and operate. And so three levels of learning from living systems, for want of a better model. The first level is learning from nature. And this is what we tend to do. Um, is with our minds, is then sort of, you know, feast on, be, you know, explore, learn, be curious about living systems. And this is rising in popularity significantly just over the last 20 years I've been involved in this space. It's rapidly, exponentially risen. And so this is a broader sense of how life works rather than the narrowed anthropocentric uh, neo-Darwinistic view. It's a an opening and a broadening and a recognizing that actually there are principles, there are processes in nature that can aid the way in which we uh, go about designing our solutions. And so biomimicry is a good school of thought um, in there. And, and it was Janine Benyus who, who originally said, life creates conditions conducive for life. And so that's an underlying principle, if you like. And I've come up with this logic of life, these seven different principles that I write with Laura Storm in regenerative leadership. And they, they sit within this sort of learning from nature, you know, allowing us to work with the patterns and principles and processes we find within life and then apply them to how we design products, processes and places. So circular economics is another sort of school of thought, systems thinking is in there, all of this helps contribute to learning from nature, opening our minds to the way in which life works rather than a narrowed left brain hemisphere. Um, it's opening it up, but that's just one level of learning from nature. So it's, it's, it's a sort of um, head-based still rather. Uh, then when you go into the second level, um, what I call open heart using Otto Sharma's framing around theory U is when we are starting to participate within life. So it's a recognition, it's a, a shift that we are part of life. We've never been separate from it. Only our minds think that we're separate from it. We're in it. We are systemic. Uh, we are in the system. We're participating within it. And that actually this subject-object duality that we create in our minds 
um, is actually just a figment of our imagination. It helps us deal with life, but that we can transcend that. We can actually shift our way of, of being. And that requires us to overcome what I call four splits or four areas of domination, the left and right brain hemisphere, the left brain hemispheres become very dominant, more reductive, breaking things down into parts, allowing more of the right brain hemisphere in, allowing more of that balance inside the mind. And there's practices that can help with that. Another split is masculine and feminine. So masculine energies, you know, getting the job done, pushing forward, out of focus, achieving, competitive, nothing wrong with it. You know, it gets a bad rap, but it's part of life. Um, and yet they can be balanced with feminine. We all have masculine and feminine within us. And they, the masculines become prioritized. So bring in that feminine and allow more of that balance. Again, there's practices that help with that. And then there's also the outer and the inner. Focus more on the outer. Mention seeing as something that has become prioritized. You know, it's sort of looking out there rather than listening in. Impoverished, we've you know, really impoverished the inner sense um, of life. Tuning into the body the somatic awareness, all of that um, is part of the intelligence that we can unfold in our own mind. So that allowing the inner and the outer to play together. I just came off a coaching call with a client, for instance, we were talking about over the summer um, for a couple of days on their holiday, just to get some big pages of clear paper, uh, A3 um, paper out on the floor and just draw when when we go into that feeling in this particular case quite a lot of sadness coming up for various reasons allowing that sadness to come up and permeate and go through the body and just draw rather than trying to work out what the feeling is rather than trying to judge the feeling or suppress it allow it to come through and allow that then and just draw just play with it dance with it or use social presencing movement so allow that process to become to go through so that's the inner and the outer working with the inner and the outer as part of an integral process and the fourth which is probably sits underneath all of it is the human nature split you know we've come to draw ourselves away from nature and there's lots of studies that show that and what i write about in the illusion of separation is how actually over this process of civilization we've become more and more drawn away from nature and that creates problems that creates a heightened sense of ego separation and that then means that we become we have a sense of scarcity a sense of insecurity a sense of fear because we become disconnected from our own mother and then we go about trying to fix this insecurity and fear through you know accumulating things through manipulating others through you know and if we're not careful it drifts into sort of narcissism and and psycho um, pathology and so forth but actually for many of us it's a, a much milder version it's just a case of getting on with our lives but we're not really connecting into our deeper nature we're not really connecting to nature so allowing that you know, and again, there's practices that help with that, you know, developing a sit spot, going into nature, meditating in nature, forest bathing, all sorts of things that are becoming more popular here, uh, vision quests that help allow that ego to permeate more with nature. So all of those four splits then create an integration. So we start to integrate more. And what happens when we go through that shift is we open up to a deeper worldview, no longer a worldview of separateness, but actually a worldview of interconnectedness we sense the innate interconnectedness of how life really works and that helps fuel us that helps change the way we are being in the world yeah um yeah and you put it so nicely i i would like to 
just share a quick anecdote also for for my listeners uh when it comes to the male female um separation or perceived separation in in sports usually men perform better than women and i've recently started training for an ultra marathon and interestingly women are usually better in ultra marathons than men and there are several different theories that explain or that try to explain why that is and one of them is that women are much better at controlling the energy over the long run so ultra marathon is everything longer than a marathon so it could be 80k it could be uh it could be 100 miles and apparently you know we we men we we do have some um benefits when it comes to the shorter races but then when it gets longer we actually uh give up that benefit that we had before and women perform better and i watched a an interview with uh well when it was shot she was the best ultra runner in the world and she said that she didn't have any plane training plan that she would just go out there and run and feel into connect with her inner sense and based on that would do whatever training she felt like rather than the very control masculine planning uh kind of way of i construct my plan and i have to force myself through it to then be able to achieve excellence turns out that is not always necessary yeah, and it's a balance again, you know, so again, there's nothing wrong with necessarily having the controlling, the organizing, the, the schedule and so forth. We need, we certainly need that. Um, it's both. And of course, we have both within it. So um, it's, it's very easy to get caught up on gender here, sort of male or female. But actually, you know, how do we as a person ensure that we're developing a healthy dose of masculine and feminine? And of course, there's slightly different, if you go into it, there's there's sort of not beneficial aspects of masculine and there's beneficial aspects of masculine and the same for feminine. So it's more about, you know, what are the, um, you know, I mean, for instance, aggression um, can be displayed in both masculine and feminine qualities in different ways. And some of that aggression can be healthy if it's, it's driving forth something. And sometimes it can be unhealthy. It can be destructive. Um, so, you know, there's a whole little body of, of evidence exploring the um, masculine and feminine qualities we have. Um, but it's the point here is, is that we're integrating that. So it, you know, these three levels of learning from nature, back to those, if you like, you know, the first level, open mind, understanding about the principles of nature, of systems thinking, of permaculture and so forth, the logic of life, if you like. The second being this open heart, recognizing the part of the system and these four splits, if you like, starting to shift our way of being, becoming more integrated, tapping into the, the system, being in it. And then the third is open will, which is attuning with nature's wisdom. So we're starting to then recognize our body mind isn't just the source of consciousness, that it's a radio set. We are a transducer. We are tuning in. We're working with life. And therefore, a bit like what your female athlete was talking about, we then start to recognize we're always in a live situation, like a live dance or a live a performance and we can best tune in and jam with that or, or, or you know surf with what's going on and so that leads to intuition uh, or gnosis you know direct knowing 
um, and uh, shamanic practices and spiritual practices and so forth help with that. When we start to recognize that life is infused with a spiritual wisdom, with a, what I call nature's wisdom. And then that brings us into metaphysical principles rather than sort of um, principles of nature. Um, we then actually get into sort of metaphysical principles that underpin the cosmology of, of the universe, you know, interconnectedness, tensions of yin yang, relationality, consciousness, that mind, intention and attention are vital, um, that there is a level of compassion and reverence per, per, pervading uh, reality. And that leads into synchronicity, this correspondence of as above, so below. And those then become principles that we can start to work with in our lives that help inform our deep sense of kinship, being in life, participating within life, which then brings a trust in life. And from that trust in life, that sense of scarcity and fear and so forth and grasping eases and we start to be more in life. It doesn't mean to say we still don't then get caught up in being an achiever and having a structure. We can have all those, but they become tools then and what is the underpinning of it, the foundation building on rock, is this sense of trust in life in the universe. So what do you say then that this presencing, this being grounded and, and tuning into what's going on, going on around us would be the basis from which the doing emerges? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and hence why I like this process of becoming, because all the time we are being receptive to, opening up to this being, this quality of spirit um, realm that is not always obvious to us in the rational mind, but it's there, it's infusing, it's the energy, if you like, of any situation that we can feel if we're becoming more empathic and more in tune. So we're becoming receptive to that. We're opening, we're surrendering. And then we're being responsive to our receptivity. You know, as we sense what's going on, we can then respond to it. Uh, like your female athlete, you can then judge what she needs to do based on the situation. And then from that receptive responsiveness, we have reciprocity, the way in which actually life works, which is through this continuous reciprocating, continuous exchanging, we like to think, or what we've done in the old mindset is turn it into a sort of transactions, you know, or consumerist uh, exchanges. No, they're not. There's actually rich reciprocity going on all the time. Life is continuously about serving life and about creating conditions for life. And so when we get into that deep sense of kinship um, and that openness, that receptive, responsive reciprocity, we are actually flowing with life. And then every day becomes quite a sacred learning experience that throws us all sorts of things, um, just like the ultramarathon experience does, for us to develop our own courage, our own purposefulness with. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I wonder, I'm currently participating as a mentor in a startup accelerator, and I... I'm there as a life and leadership coach. And I do want to bring a bit of that, I'm just going to call it balance into it. And I know that many of the participants are very, their thinking is, is very, well, what they teach in academia mostly. 
um, you know, it's 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 very logical, very control based, very uh, like focused on structure. Um, and I do have my own ways of of emphasizing that you know intuition is also important. But I I wonder whether you would have any advice for those participants or for me of how in the process of building a new venture we can be more aware of connecting with mm. nature yeah and yeah i think i think that's it's vital and we've got to play we're building a bridge all the time we've got to play with the fact that we have you know the achiever mind if you like um, is a helpful tool and it's probably on overdrive with a entrepreneur and a startup and rightly so you know they've got a clear sense of purpose they need to grow the business they need to go for it so work with that and so these moments of connection aren't um, they are going to help they're going to help provide the fuel for that purposefulness but they're also going to as you've just said widen the bandwidth for the person to be able to make more decisions in a more meaningful way uh, you've got more repertoire available to you so use that language that language of basically essentially you're improving their efficiency and their effectiveness because they're going to be in that achiever mindset in reality we're also getting them to shift and to actually question why they're doing what they're doing and is their business actually helping towards a regenerative future but that perhaps you know you can deal with second you know the first is you know they're not going to engage in this if they don't think in some way it's going to just enhance them um, a bit like an athlete is this actually going to help me so that's the first step um, in leading by nature my latest book i talk about four virtues or four values really but i call them virtues because they're they're soul qualities that help the process of becoming and one is balance. Uh, the second is patience. The third is courage. And the fourth is purposefulness. So you've got balance, patience, courage, and purposefulness. And I actually make them four um, points of a square. And that square sits within a circle. So it's called a, the squaring of the circle, which is an ancient expression. And the circle then becomes this sort of framing of intention that you can create in your life. And so balance, patience, courage, and purposefulness is, are happening in us all the time. And becoming aware of them and noticing them. And this is where connection to nature, meditation, intentionality, and so forth help with all of them as practices. But first, balance. What actually is balance? Now, balance in the old mindset, if you like, or the unbalanced, you know, left brain hemisphere mindset, it just becomes a trade-off, you know. Oh, I need to spend more time at home, or I need to spend more time with my friends, or I need to spend more time in the gym, or whatever. It becomes a bit of a trade-off, and then you're sort of competing with time and a schedule. Yeah. Whereas when we really get into balance from a regenerative perspective, we recognize that life is full of yin-yang tensions, yin being the sort of receptive and yang being more responsive tensions that are going on all the time, and that we can deepen our capacity to sense when we need a bit more yin and when we need a bit more yang. The more in tune we are with our own selves, we can feel that. So we can be in tune with um, when we're in flow and not. So I call that being in right relation with our own selves, with the situation. So developing that capacity through spending time in nature, through meditating, through really um, reflecting on how we feel, our own energy levels. And there's practices that I call body-mind coherence practices that help with that. That enhance our energy, enhance our flow, we can find that balance. So then balance is something that's happening all the time. 
it's not a trade-off um in a certain situation we can notice how coherent we are how imbalanced we are so developing that right relation all the time with any situation sometimes we need a bit more yang sometimes we need a bit more yin then there's patience and the two go hand in hand actually patience and balance work very well together patience is really more about right timing but again it's not about just having to be patient and waiting you know almost like oh oh, now it's my turn no that's the sort of clunky old way patience is more about actually acknowledging the impatient energy we have with inside ourselves because as an achiever as an entrepreneur you're going to have this impatient energy and that's what's made things happen so we're not going to try and get rid of that we're just going to notice it and we're going to notice when it actually crowds out uh, the moment when it actually gets in its own way when it actually forces things or pushes things before they've reached their pregnancy because life is full of tensions and these tensions are crucibles really for learning for evolution and sometimes when we're impatient when a tension happens you know say there's a bit discussion around whether we should go this way or that way sometimes we just want to collapse it quickly if we're impatient we say, oh just make a decision let's move on whereas actually allowing that tension to hold for a bit develops a pregnancy again a process of becoming and so being aware of the impatience and knowing when to be a bit more patient and then when to be quite impulsive and make a decision, you know, so we can then cut through and make a quick decision. Um, so it's not about not making decisions. It's about playing with the right time of things, knowing inside, having that felt sense of when hmm, this might just need to cook for a little bit. I might just it'd be easy for me to make a quick decision because I'd feel better because then I'd feel like I have certainty and control. But actually, I feel like it's best just to leave this for a little, let it cook, let it unfold and see what emerges. And so that's playing with Kronos and Kairos, the two qualities of time. Again, masculine, feminine in time. Kronos, you know, masculine, the schedule, click, 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 uh, hourly meetings and so forth. Kron um, Kairos is a much more flowing feminine time where we work with things unfolding we can get a sense of when the right time is and again that comes with our own understanding our own repertoire and our own internal intuition and then there's courage and purposefulness both of those again underpin uh, patience and balance so courage isn't ambition and it can sometimes appear like ambition you know we can do really good things through ambition and ambition can be um, a good thing you know okay it's more ego orientated but it can be a good thing ambition can drive climate change can, can drive uh, people bringing in more equitable uh, uh, roles and responsibilities so it can be a good thing but ambition tends to come from a kind of outer energy more ego orientated courage comes from a more deeper place comes from the heart courage it comes from us being more immersed in life which I talked about earlier, you know, this deep sensing of being in tune, the inner and outer attunement. And then our will, our small will opens, that's that open will piece, and has a, a more attuned awareness of the flow of life. So we're more in it, we're more open, we're more surrendered into life. And that requires courage to actually let go of our own will and to uh, uh, be in service of the organization, the, the entrepreneurial startup requires courage. And that is a more immersed experience in life. And that's where purposefulness then comes in. They will follow on from each other. Purpose, not just a statement, not just a mission statement. You know, this is our purpose, but actually purposefulness, the way we flow, right energy. When are we feeling the energy is right? When do we need to bring in a bit more yang, a bit more yin? 
what's my attentiveness like? You know, as a busy entrepreneur, am I meditating every so often? Am I ensuring that my attentiveness is clear with each interaction, with each engagement with the customer, supplier, that I'm fully there and present and that I'm allowing the tensions of life to actually be inquiries, purposeful inquiries, rather than things to solve and move on from. They're all learning experiences. And so then with that balance of right energy through purposefulness, that balance of right will through courage and right timing with patience and right relationship with balance, you create an environment inside yourself as a leader that is going to serve the whole living organization um, in a far better way than just moving the business on to the next stage of raising capital than the next stage of growth. You know, you're creating a foundation of rock rather than sand. Yeah, beautiful. I what, what I hear is that it really then starts with developing that awareness, that awareness to, to listen to both the intellect and the intuition and to be aware what is outside, what is inside, um, and then integrate that and make a uh, have a more holistic understanding really of what's going on, perceiving, attending, as you say, attending differently to the world and to the team and to the 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 startup they're working on. Yeah. And I think so honestly, I'm I'm there as a life and leadership coach, but I also bring in my little own agenda, which is I want to see more ideas that have an actual purpose. Um, a, a bigger purpose, mean, meaning especially just beyond profit. And uh, I I do speak that out sometimes. Like, okay, you know, this is this is an idea that probably, you know, you can make a, a massively successful startup. Um, but if it's just about selling more things through this one platform that has not yet maximized that way of selling, you know, I don't see any benefit in it except for the money that you might make and, and help people be aware of that. And yeah, again, tune into not just this desire, this, this control-based desire of wanting to have financial stability, which is understandable, which, um, which makes sense, but also think further and see further, see beyond that. Yeah, because what underpins the desire for financial stability, what underpins the desire for 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 growing uh, and being successful, um, usually underneath that somewhere is an insecurity, um, is uh, back to our point at the beginning, which is some form of disconnection. We pulled ourselves out of life. We feel we're caught up in, in scarcity um, and we need to quite rightly, you know, provide for ourselves, for our family, for friends and so forth. Um, or we feel we need to be a success because then that uh, validates our sense of self. Um, and yet let's go into that sense of self a bit. And let's also, whilst we're do focusing on the outer, whilst we're also creating conditions for a, a richer life, and that's great, you know, we need to do that. I'm not saying you should just give up your job. No, not at all. You know, do these sorts of things, but keep it balanced. Also do the, well, why am I here? 
Um, what is that insecurity that's driving me underneath it? Let me explore that. What, what underpins that? Because if I'm driven by that insecurity, all that's going to happen is 20 years down the line after I've made success, I'm still going to be insecure and it's still going to be haunting me. And in the process, even worse, I'm going to be trampling over people. I'm going to be pushing against life because of that insecurity. So let's work with both. And that insecurity usually comes or pretty much always comes from a sense of disconnection to life itself. So if we can develop a connection to life in ourselves whilst achieving, whilst growing our businesses, we then can do both. The ego's happy. You know, I'm getting that sense of satisfaction and success and growth. Um, and actually, the sense of connection I'm developing is going to serve. You know, it's going to enable that because people are going to listen more. They're going to be more connected. But we've got to recognize that actually, rather than doing meditation to serve the ego, it's the other way around. What's actually happening, and, and Einstein said this, the scientist, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift, he said. The rational mind, it's faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. So often we are using the tool of the ego, the servant, to drive our lives forward instead of recognizing that it is just a servant, it is a tool. So by all means, use your drive, your success, your ambition to you know, uh, earn a good income and to do what you want, as long as it serves who you truly are. And so therefore, spend some time working out what it is that really is making your heart sing. And where is that sense of disconnection coming from? And how can you allow that sense of disconnection to start easing and start bringing in more of a sense of connection. And that usually takes some form of practice. It's not going to happen overnight, um, but there are all sorts of practices that help with that. So you go through a process of becoming. And then whilst doing the outer work, you're also doing the inner work and the two work with each other. Right. Yeah. And it also does take courage, that's for sure. Before we come to the end of our conversation, I would like to pose one final question, which is, what are you up to in the world right now? Oh, thank you, Joem. Well, uh, I am pretty busy with the work I do, living my dharma. We have recently, over the last four years, been working very close to the land here at Springwood Farm. And over those years, I have been slowly but surely consciously infusing my energy with the energy of the uh, ancient woodlands here. And that helps with my coaching work, both with clients who come here in person, and leadership teams, I had a leadership team here just yesterday, for instance, um, but also people I coach remotely throughout the world. Um, so certainly since COVID, I've taken on a lot more clients now, practitioners, coaches, people wanting to move into the regenerative leadership space, but also leaders um, that I coach throughout the world. You know, I have clients as far as Tahiti, Toronto, Vancouver, uh, Buenos Aires, and so forth. So it's, it's interesting. And uh, all the time, I would say I'm back to our model of the three levels of learning from living systems. I'm consciously bringing in, uh, as well as level one, um, learning from living systems, actually that level two and level three, really opening into and working with the energies, you know, with the powerful place here at Springwood to bring that into my coaching work, which helps leaders go through the, the ego's eye of the needle, help them transform themselves and their organizations towards regenerative futures. So that's what I'm up to. 
Um, it's been pretty busy, actually, last few years. Uh, I'd say demand for this kind of work is increasing as volatility in the world increases and general aptitude, I think, general awareness of the fact that we can't keep on doing things in the same way. We do need to transform our ways of operating and our worldview. So thank you, Jim. Lovely conversation. It's been a real pleasure to be with you here today on this podcast. Yeah, thank you, too. It's been a real honor having you and being able to spend this time to you, with you and, and get the insights from you. So thank you so much and hope you have a great day. Yeah, best wishes. Thank you for listening. If you got something out of this episode, share that with your friends or colleagues or even with me by sending a message on my socials. Subscribe to get notified about new episodes and leave a rating or comment in your app to help others find more life. If you have requests for future topics or suggestions for fitting guests, send me a message or email me at germ at emergetoprosper.com. In the next episode, Carol Sanford and I will talk about caring, categorization and building capacity. Thanks again and hopefully until next time.